Our scripture for today is from Esther 4, verses 9 through 17. Another hard word, name. Hathak? One of Queen Esther's attendants went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and gave him a message for Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's province know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death. Only if the king holds out the golden scepter to someone, may that person live. I myself have not been called to come into the king for 30 days. When they told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your fam father's family will perish. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to the royal dignity for just such a time as this. And then Esther said in reply to Mordecai, go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf, and neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will also fast as you do. After that, I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I die, I die. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Elaine. Grace and peace to you, beloved. I am Amy Wilson Feltz. I'm the pastor here at Morning Star, and I'm delighted to be with you on this beautiful Sunday morning. Let's take a deep breath. And let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Last week, as I helped our first grader, Augie, with his homework, he turned to me and said, what is the goal of this exercise? <laughs> his daily assignment is to read out loud to Jason or to me for one minute, and then we are to count how many words he read and to also make note of how many mistakes he made. I can tell by the way that Augie approaches this assignment every day that his goal is to read as many words as quickly as possible. He is out for speed, and he's trying to break his record. 
But as he asked me that question, my thoughts turned to the idea of purpose, because purpose is a big and lofty concept that can be paralyzing for us. While we're thinking about it, we tend to get distracted about the steps that need to be taken. And if we're not careful, we begin to view purpose as an outcome, an accomplishment, something that we do. Three weeks ago, today, we launched a sermon series called She Speaks, four powerful quotes from four powerful women. And we have been talking since then about the importance of listening to voices that often go unheard. We've been thinking about the stories of 93 women as they are told in our Bible. We've been learning some of the names of the 49 women that are mentioned by name. We've heard and considered the stories of three women so far. We started with Miriam, who showed bravery in a moment of life and death. And then we heard from Deborah, who exhibited strength that led to a military victory. And last week, we heard from Naomi, who offered quiet support in the midst of great transition and great possibility really enjoyed preaching this series. And before it comes to an end today, I'm wondering if you would be willing to let me know if anything has been helpful for you in your journey. So we're going to take some time right now to talk in pairs or small groups. Online, you can drop your comments in the chat. Let's take some time to discuss amongst ourselves. What have you learned in the series so far? What is your Takeaway. Diane's going to give us some music for a few minutes and then we'll come back together. Okay, so let's hear it. What have you learned? What's your takeaway? 
Be like Miriam. Be calm, compassionate, and curious. That's great, Laura. What else? So few women were named. Yeah. Yes, God created women with power already. Thank you for that, Steve. Yeah. What else? Yes, Jenny. So we value diversity, and not, not just in gender, but in the ways that we lead, because these women led differently. That's right. What else? Anything from our online friends, Kathy? Women are strong. Sometimes leaders spring up from surprising Places. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing. I really appreciate hearing from you, and I know that there's more that we could say. Again, I've had so much fun with this series, but as I began writing each message, the purpose of the series became for me not just about the women or their words, but about the leadership, Jenny, about the leadership that they exhibited. And we did talk about this a little bit last week. In Miriam, we see a life-giving curiosity that grows into the courage to take a risk, to ask a question that leads to the salvation of her people. Deborah exhibits a mindfulness to remain present with her people in a time of great distress, and that leads to the end of a war. Naomi, at least in the passage that we discussed last week, says just enough to give Ruth clear affirmation that she needs in a time of transition. These women serve as excellent role models of leadership, not because they have it all figured out, but because they understood their purpose in relationship to their faith. As their stories unfold in the face of great challenge and grave danger, even if they don't know exactly what to do in each moment, they never forget who they are. They never forget who they are. And that is the true meaning of purpose. Purpose is not something that we do. It's who we are. Purpose is being the person that God calls us to be. And that's exactly what we learn from Esther as she comes to this place where she can say, if I die, I die. Now, by the time we get to this part of the story that Elaine read for us this morning, we're already in the middle of it. So we have to back up a little bit. Esther lived in Susa, the capital of Persia. And this story takes place about 100 years after the Israelite people were freed from their captivity in Babylon. So many people went back to Jerusalem, but others settled in other lands. And so this Jewish community rises up in Persia. So Esther and her uncle Mordecai live in this community under the rule of a king who is basically portrayed in this story as a drunken buffoon. Can I say buffoon in church? I did. At the, be 
<laughs> At the beginning of the story, we learn that the king has just thrown two banquets back-to-back -back in his own honor to celebrate his own greatness, and he has been drinking on and off, but mostly on, with his friends for 187 days. And on the last day of the second feast, he requests that his queen Vashti show up and portray her beauty in front of everyone. Diana, I have a little bit of an echo on the mic here. Vashti doesn't like that idea. She refuses. She doesn't want to play that game. And so what the king does then is depose her, takes the crown, and organizes a beauty pageant to find his next queen. At this point, two really critical storylines begin to unfold. Esther hides her Jewish identity, enters the contest, wins, and becomes the queen of Persia. But in the, in the same time frame, Mordecai, her uncle, overhears a plot to assassinate the king. And he reveals that plot, saves the king's life, and is honored for that action. So these events, they are seemingly unconnected, except for the fact that Esther and Mordecai are related. But what unfolds with all of the coincidence and irony reads very much like a Shakespearean play. What do the best Shakespearean plays have? What is it? <laughs> Carter said death. I was thinking more along the lines of a deplorable villain. Dun, dun, dun. Enter Haman, the king's right-hand person. He is power-hungry to the point that he actually issues a decree that requires everyone to bow down before him. And Mordecai refuses to do that, so Haman is out for blood. And that's when he discovers that Mordecai is a Jew. So Haman goes to his buddy, the king, gets the king drunk again, and convinces the king to issue a decree to kill all of the Jews in the kingdom. And the date of the mass execution is set by the roll of the dice. This is where we enter the story today. This is where Elaine started reading. Mordecai speaks to Esther Esther through a messenger and begs her to do something to save their people. And she reminds him, if I speak without permission to my husband, I could be killed. That's when Mordecai issues his very famous statement, perhaps you have come to royal dignity for such a time as this. For such a time as this. It's an intriguing thought, but we're talking about more than timing here. Yes, Esther was in the right place at the right time to affect change in a way that would affect the lives of many people, and yes, she would have to do something risky to make that happen, but her plea to the king would have been pointless if Esther had not first reconciled within herself that she was not just the queen of Persia, she was the Jewish queen of Persia, a child of God, and that she brought her whole self to that role. And so she says, if I die, I die. This is such a powerful story, as short as it is. The anonymous author did not mince words in writing this novella, this very long short story, using less than 5,700 of them. Notably, not one of those words is the name of God. 
the name of God does not appear in this story. God's name is never mentioned as a literary choice designed to point us to the action of God behind the scenes, to the providence, the guidance, the direction of God. Truly, the story of Esther teaches us that it is precisely when we feel that God has abandoned us and the situation is hopeless that we discover that God would never leave us. And God has been at work all along. And the invitation then for us is to participate in that work, not for what we can do, but because of who we are, the children of God. That is our purpose, beloved, not accomplishing a specific outcome necessarily, but being the people that God calls us to be. The value of this journey with God is what came to mind with me last week as Augie and I discussed the purpose of his reading assignment. And I told him the purpose isn't to read as quickly as you can or as many words as you can in a certain period of time. The purpose of this reading assignment is for you to comprehend what you are reading, for you to understand what you are reading so that you come to enjoy reading, but also learn the value of reading so that you'll want to read more and learn more and be more, be the person that you were called to be. So our purpose, in other words, is not what we are doing or even what we will do. Our purpose is being who we are, becoming the person that God called us to be by the grace of God. Esther's recognition of this truth allowed her to align her purpose with the purposes of God. And just in case you don't know the rest of the story, a series of Shakespearean ironic reversals take place, one right after the other. Esther speaks up, the king listens, Haman is killed, and the people are saved eventually. All because in her willingness to face death, Esther acknowledges two really important things about her life, its source and its purpose. The creator of the world had given her this one life after all, and she recognizes that the purpose of that gift is to give that life back in service to the creator, not merely out of obedience, but out of gratitude and a willingness to make life better for others. The purpose of our life is to give our life back in service to our creator and for others. What Esther came to realize is that God purpose, God's purposes are hers as well. And it's that kind of alignment that can make all the difference in our daily lives and in the world. It is our turn, beloved, to consider how cultivating a life that Jesus calls us to live, being the people God created us to be. It's time to cultivate that in a way that will lead to clarity. Because we do want to know what we need to do, right? We, we do want to know that. But knowing who we are will help us come to that revelation Knowing who we are reveals what we need to do for such a time as this. So I'm wondering, when was the last time you considered what it is that you bring to the table? What it is that you bring to this community? What it is that only you can do because of who you are? 
More importantly, do our purposes align with God's purposes? And you could be asking, well, how do we know what the purposes of God are? But remember, God has this pattern of behavior that we see in our Bible and in our world. But God hears the cries of the people, sees the people as we suffer, has compassion on us, and is moved to save us. We see the purposes of God in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We see the purposes of God in the teachings of Jesus. Everything God does is done with love in a way that brings hope when things seem hopeless, healing in the throes of pain, and new life in the face of certain death. This realization is what brought Esther to the place of courage where she could say, if I die, I die. And she gave herself and her life completely over to God to bring new life to others. Just as Jesus would do generations later and just as we are called to do now. Not because of what we can do, but because of who we are. I can think of no greater purpose. Amen? Amen.